Hello and welcome to Her Ambition, the podcast that celebrates a generation of female leaders opening doors for the next. I'm your host, Josie Zakwarashuka, and welcome to our student series, where each week I'll be talking with an influential student about her experience at university, her mistakes and successes, and her advice on how we can make this year at uni the best it can be. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't insanely excited for this interview. My guest today is someone who has motivated hundreds of thousands of young people across the world to study better, live life to its full, and ultimately be the best version of themselves. Her YouTube channel, Unjaded Jade, is bursting with positivity, warmth, and is definitely my happy place to go on the internet. My guest today is none other than the queen of StudyTube herself, Jade Bowler. YouTuber, student, and now published author. Jade, welcome to Her Ambition. Oh my God, Josie, that was quite the intro. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you liked your intro. Does it feel weird to hear things like that now? Because I mean, you've had such a transformative journey from being a regular student to being a study tuber and an influence. Does that, are you you used to it now? Are you used to the praise? God, no, I'm just Jade at the end of the day. Like you're saying all these things, even the published author moment. I was like, gosh, I think it's the first time I've heard someone say it so dramatically talking about me. <laughs> so that is, that's quite an honor. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm glad it's dramatic as well. And we've got so much to talk about as well. I know, I'm excited. So let's get going then. So a way that I love to start the podcast is by asking you three random questions to get the ball rolling. Ooh. So are you ready? Ready. Wait, so are these like, are these rapid fire? I don't dig too much into it. Honestly, I try to do rapid fire, but the answers are really interesting. So I always end up just asking more questions. But sure, okay. Try. What was your dream job when you were younger? Oh, okay. First dream job as a child was to be an author, but a fiction author. I would just write stories all the time. But then as a teenager, my dream job was to be a vet. So that's really shaped my life. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite a difference. And you've got like the creative and then the more scientific. Science, but we like animals. Things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. Next question. If you wrote a book about your life, what would you call it? Ooh, definitely not the only study guide you'll ever need. Uh, <laughs> um, I'd probably call it casual magic is the first thing that comes to mind I don't know if you've heard me talk about this concept online but the idea is every single day appreciating mundane things about your life and like I kind of call that my casual magic so it's nothing grand like your wedding day or your birthday but just you know appreciating small things which you're grateful for and I think even though I've been really lucky to have all these incredible opportunities in my life thus far like, it's always the casual moments that I think make up who I am and make me happier than the grand things like YouTube success. I love the idea of casual magic because I think it makes you more grateful for things just all the time. And having those repeated bits changes your mood completely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, even just like getting in at the bath and it's just the right temperature. Yes, little things like that. Oh, like, oh wow, yeah. the light's coming through the room in a really beautiful way today. Like, that doesn't happen in the UK often. Yeah. It's a rarity. It's a rarity. Yes. Or like, oh, that strawberry was like a really good strawberry. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And my final random question for you is, who's your female celebrity crush? 
Oh my god, so many. Um, either Michelle Obama, because I think she just has such beautiful energy and she's just mm-hmm. a badass woman, pioneering girls' education, and she's just amazing. Or Dua Lipa. <laughs> I feel okay. like she's just she's just incredible. So I feel like somewhere between that. <laughs> somewhere between that, but I think you're completely right. There are so many to choose from. We're just. What about you, Josie? Oh my god, you're asking me. Wow, this this is. <laughs> This has never happened before. Oh, my female celebrity crush. I've got to say, like, Kira Knightley. Oh my God, I think yes. she's just Icon. gorgeous. And such like a powerful, strong woman as well in the mm. things she says and the way she speaks. Or, yeah, or I've got to say Michelle Obama as well. Just copycat. I know, <laughs> I know. I don't blame you. Have you seen her documentary on Netflix? Yes. It yeah. made me cry. Makes my mum just weeping with her. Yeah. For sure. And her book. What a cool woman. I know. Oh, anyway, yeah, let's get on to the actual questions. So I'd love to start by talking about YouTube. What was your motivation with YouTube? Why did you start your channel? Oh, good question. So I started my channel in 2017 when I was in year 12 doing my A-levels. And I think I was someone no one ever, ever expected to have a YouTube channel because I never watched YouTube. I never really watched vlogs or Zoella or all these amazing people. I just was never really into it. But I was always fascinated by the power of social media to connect people and to spread messages and ideas. And I remember when I was doing my GCSEs, I was just a very stressed student. I was your typical like type A wanting to get like all A stars, working really hard. And I was the oldest sibling, so I didn't really have any advice from anyone in my family. And I remember going to YouTube for advice. You know, I was feeling very stressed. I just wanted someone to tell me it'd be okay. Or I didn't really know how to tackle the mounds of content. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I just wanted someone to tell me how to study. And I found there wasn't really that much online. And then when I went through GCSEs, I'd learned so much about dealing with stress and learning how to revise in a way that was effective. And I really dug into the science of memory because I was a nerd. (laughs) And uh, I started mentoring younger students and they found it really helpful, me sharing my advice. And so I kind of had this epiphany and I was like, wow, I think there needs to be a place like this online where other students who want that advice can come and just relate to other students who have been through it, kind of get that advice. So yeah, I started talking about GCSEs and A-levels online and sharing my advice. And that's how StudyTube became a thing. That's just wonderful. I love the fact as well that you were thinking of yourself as, as in what you think you'd have needed and what you were like looking for because I think that's such a way of then knowing what other people need because there really was a space for it and for for you to to shine do you think that your content's changed in the years you've done YouTube oh without a doubt I think yeah the nature of YouTube is it kind of follows your life in a way you know Mm -hmm. when I was doing A levels I was talking about A levels and naturally as I've took a gap year I, I went to university naturally I've changed my content to reflect that too so I I made travel vlogs in my gap year and started doing more stuff about going out of your comfort zone and especially for someone whose life revolved around education and getting grades I think it was actually quite an interesting pivot for me to then be talking about going out of your comfort zone in a totally different way than academics um yeah and now I also talk about my life at university advice there travel and culture when I said that I was interviewing you I got 
so many messages from girls saying how much of an inspiration you were to them when they were doing their exams, but also just to life in general and how to be a better human and things like that. Am I right in thinking that you must get a lot of messages from people all the time? Yeah, it is crazy. I would say I probably get a hundred messages a day, at least. Like it depends when I post videos and what I post, but right now I'm making a series called Summer of Self, which is where I dive into topics like loneliness and comfort zones and I don't know, kind of deep, (laughs) deep topics that have affected me and sort of opening up about moments in my life. And the response has been overwhelming. Yeah, I know sometimes it's so strange because I don't feel like, a role model <laughs> like I'm just I'm just Jane like figuring out my life so it's very yeah. surreal I imagine as well the other things in your life that just make you go wow like this is actually this is my life now yeah even writing a book so, like that is you know it's always a yeah. dream but I never expected it to happen at 21 <laughs> yeah that that is really crazy and then you're going into all these bookshops and seeing your book on the shelf yes yeah very surreal Amazing, amazing. And one of the things that comes up on this podcast quite a lot is the idea of the idea of being authentic and mm. balancing being authentic with also having a following of people who are looking up to you for inspiration. And I think you can tell just by looking at you and you know watching your videos that it's one of your key values is being authentic. Mm. And I suppose this is quite a deep question, but do you think that there are possible tensions between being authentic? And also then not wanting to share everything on your YouTube channel or on Instagram, just keeping things to your own, just to Jade. Oh, such a good question and something I struggle with a lot. And I think I've had to really define my own boundaries as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, one thing that I really love talking about and I think is important to normalize is mental health and challenges there. And, you know, I've struggled with my mental health many times before my YouTube experience and during it. And something that I've had to learn is not always to share things while I'm going through it because I have to kind of honor my present journey first and hold space for myself. And I find sometimes when I share in the moment, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm feeling really bad and not going into too much depth, but sort of even saying that, um, it's almost like I perpetuate it because I receive so many lovely messages from people being like, oh, thank you for being so open, blah, blah, blah. But it, it doesn't always help me in the time. So I find even sharing things retrospectively is a really good way for me to have a balance between being authentic and like digging into those harder topics, but like keeping the the privacy when I need it in the moment. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I can see how that'd be really difficult actually. I'm not sure if you have experienced this, but I think I often experience that when I'm feeling really down and low, I'm often thinking to myself, like, why am I feeling down? I've got such a great life. I'm in such a, like, a privileged position. I have no excuse to feel upset mm. today. And I almost wonder if if having a YouTube and Instagram might just perpetuate that feeling more. What, what do you think? Oh, for sure. And the thing is, it's like, it's true, you know? Sure, you have a lot of privilege. And yes, you have food on the table and so many incredible things that you should be grateful for. But hearing that stuff really doesn't help when you're <laughs> when you're struggling and kind of invalidates your experience. So it is hard or even when my mental health struggles have come from YouTube or from negative comments or hate, it feels so hard to be honest about that when there are so many benefits to having a platform and having a YouTube channel and you know I'm really grateful for it anyway. It feels it feels bad to complain about it. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. 
but you but you deal with it very well oh Josie (laughs) thank you so I'd love to talk about university because sure one just because I want to talk about all the your advice for a lot of different university students but also because your your university is a bit different isn't it so I wondered if you could start by just giving us a little intro into your university Sure. So I go to a relatively new university called Minerva. It's based in San Francisco. It's only been going for, I think, nine years now. And it was formed out of a desire to reshape higher education, especially in the US. So rather than having a lecture, which is kind of like a passive style of learning, they, they employ something called active learning, where every single class, you do all the readings before the class, you come in and you effectively just get grilled for like an hour and a half in the class. And it's also a very international model in that I'm actually the only British person on my course, which is crazy. And I move every semester to a new country that's part of the rotation of the degree. So... Um, initially it was meant to be seven countries across four years that we would all study in as a cohort Um, but now due to covid i think it'll end up being four or five just based off of how countries are still doing so the first year i studied in san francisco the second year i studied in berlin and seoul in south korea yes and next semester i'll be going back to berlin i think that just sounds insane like studying (laughs) so many different countries like amazing but also I think one thing I struggle with is um like not feeling sort of settled in one place Mm, mm -hmm. do you do you get that or do you thrive off the off the moving both I think my concept of home has definitely shifted because I almost like leave a piece of myself in every of these places that I end up living um Mm. but it's hard because at the end of you know five months you finally developed a really good routine. You understand the place you're living in. You have your places. And then all of a sudden you're ripped off again and, and you have to do the hard part again, which is and the initial moving, the whole visa process, like language, learning a new language, learning a new culture, all of that. Um, and I think I do thrive off of that being thrown somewhere and just like being forced to work it out. But at the same time, it's it's painful. <laughs> yeah, it does sound it. And does, does the shifting and moving over time, does that get easier? Oh, I think you definitely develop a routine around it of some kind. So for example, I kind of know how to like scoop out a new city and make it feel like home to me in a much quicker period of time than I did in first year. Um, and I'd say, but like the first month I always know now is a bit of a mess. It's you, you just have to like throw yourself out there and meet as many people as possible and, and just try and get exposure to the place. The second month is still kind of hard, but like it's starting to get easier. You can like start to develop a routine. And then the third month is this beautiful sweet spot where like you finally feel like you've got a home there and you've, you've got a routine, you've got, you know, something that you can now enjoy for the rest of the time. So yeah, you sort of do let start to learn. Yeah, that must make you really good at adapting, I think, to different places and scenarios and stuff. But like (laughs) throwing yourself in the deep end for sure. But also, yeah, very interesting. Really, really cool. And do you think, this is one question I think so many of us must think all the time, like as a study tuber, do you feel extra pressure to perform well? I think during school, I definitely did because... Already, I was the kind of person who's very perfectionistic, put a lot of my worth in grades, which I didn't realise at the time, but like 
now I know to be true. And so to then also have this pressure of someone who's apparently good at studying, like, come on, that's a bit stressful. <laughs> and also, you know, I used to share, share my grades online and do results day videos. Um, but I think after my gap year, it gave me a lot of perspective on life in general. And when I went to university, partly because the model is so different and also focuses on more than just, you know, the grades that you're getting, but also the holistic experience of you growing, that I don't feel the same pressure anymore. Because also just like failure is so good. The more I fail, the more I learn. And that's something I really, I wasn't able to see that during secondary school. That's so interesting that you say that through your gap year, you feel like it sort of changed your perspective of that. Do you think that was like seeing that there was more to life Mm, almost? For sure. I, yeah, I did some solo traveling. I was lucky enough to win a free interrail pass. The EU were giving away 15,000 free interrail passes, which was great. And on these travels, my first time being abroad alone, I was terrified. But because I was alone, it forced me to meet people in all these hostels. And I was meeting people of all ages. I wouldn't know their name. I wouldn't know anything about them. But all of a sudden, you'd hear the deepest parts of their life. You know, people often go traveling when they're trying to escape something or learn about the world. And so I'd hear about people who had been really successful in school and now hated their job or people who, you know, failed in school and and now found their calling, their passion. And through hearing all these people's experiences, you kind of realize that school is just one tiny part of your life. And if you don't see yourself beyond it, then you're not going to find happiness or meaning. Yes, you just see yourself beyond it. I love that. Now, I realize that this is putting you on pressure straight away, but (laughs) could you give us like a a quick sell for gap years about why people should take a gap year. (laughs) My God, so many reasons. Um, Okay, I think firstly, everyone has this vision that you have to travel in your gap year or you have to do the gap year thing. That's not true. The beauty of a gap year is that you can spend it however you want to. If you have been struggling with your mental health at school, bam, you've got a whole year to be really intentional about self-care and looking after yourself. If you're someone who's overly cared about school, all of a sudden you have an opportunity to find who you are when you're not being graded all the time. So, you know, you can meet people, you can get a job, you can start to have independence. Um, I think, you know, you can also save money for university, which for me was really useful. I think more than anything, it's this time where you don't have loads of responsibilities. You don't, well, you maybe do. You, I would say you don't have kids yet. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you're not married. You you can sort of work out who you are without any pressure. And you can do that at university. But I think I was a very different and more mature person starting university after taking a gap year. I definitely recommend it. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, Sal. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> because it does, it makes you that much more older and wiser. And I think you're completely right that it's when you're least going to be tied down. Most likely at any point of your life, you are the least tied down at this age. For sure. And I think actually when I, when I started mine, one of my weird irrational fears was I'm going to be too old. Mm. Like it's one year and I'm thinking, For I'm, going to, sure. I'm going to be too old. I'll be like mid twenties when I finish <laughs> my degree. What? Like that's really old. It's, it's like... <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, one year in the grand yeah. scheme of your life. Oh, do yeah. you know what's funny? I, I'm graduating at 23 because I'm doing a four-year degree and it took a gap year. And for some reason, yeah, I thought 23 was so old. 23 is so young, you know? <laughs> and and now I'm, I'm here and most of my friends are graduating this year. 
and I do not feel an ounce of jealousy. I am still in the bubble of education. I can figure out my life. They have to do the like post-graduation stress of finding jobs and everything. So, you know, more time in yeah. university, fine by me. I love more time. We, we all want more time. So take a gap yet and enjoy the time. Yes. Brilliant. So um, we actually steered off the university, but I'd love to talk back about university and some of your tips that you have for managing stress when you're at uni? Mm. Oof. Um, okay. I want to maybe start by saying that university, I think, is a time to be messy and to like yep. screw up. And, you know, you will be stressed at times and that is normal. I think it's good to like learn about friendships, learn about life, balance work life, you know, sometimes not get enough sleep because it's kind of this like experimental time that's going to help shape the rest of your life. So it's okay if you're stressed. Um, But what really helps me is firstly routine of some kind, like little things Mm. that just make you feel grounded, like, you know, eating enough good food. Like I always have porridge every day. It's easy. I don't think about it. I just go there, put my oats on, eat it, done. Um, and I'm really big into mindfulness. So meditation, yoga, and whenever I'm feeling really stressed or overwhelmed with workload, just taking 10 minutes to put on a guided meditation on YouTube and just sit there and breathe is so helpful like you know it's been proven to change your brain in those moments and it really helps me deal with like anxious feelings I love all of the things you said there and I want to talk about all of them as well because (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think first of all I completely agree that it's a time to be messy and that you've got to give yourself permission to be messy as well and let yourself fail when you're at university Mm. because it's a practice go for later in life so don't get annoyed at yourself for making mistakes I suppose and mindfulness god I can't agree more and it's funny that you say it changes your brain because my mum used to tell me that all the time when I was younger <laughs> to try and get me to do it and I do it now and I've got to and you and you didn't do it back then well um I didn't I didn't <laughs> think it would make any difference I think like when I was like early teens I was thinking why would breathing for you know 10 minutes change my day why would it change my brain but it does. My day is completely mm. different when I start with meditation, like completely transformed. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I did a meditation before I went on this podcast. So, you know, now, you know, I always have a little bit of nerves before I do anything, being interviewed by someone I don't know. But something like meditation, just it just changes everything about how you're feeling. So you come out of it just feeling a lot more grounded. For sure. Yeah, when I was at... Um... When I was doing my exams at school, I used to do like a quick meditation in the bathroom. I used to like stand in the toilet oh, and that. just sort of like breathe for two minutes and like listen to something and then think, yeah, yeah. I've got this, I've got this. And then you got yeah, this. Calms down the brain. Amazing. I love it. <laughs> Going back to university and talking about stress and things like that, do you think that a lot of women especially struggle with that idea of perfectionism and getting everything like perfect and right when they're at uni? Oh my God, 100%. Do you know what? I feel like boys are made more resilient to failure because it's just like, it's part of the gender narrative to like be messy and cause a ruckus. And like, I don't know, I feel like you almost get points for screwing up because it's like expected of boys. I don't know. Whereas women, I still feel like are held to different standards, even in like looks, you know, to look a certain way or to look perfect. And maybe that's also why women are 
you know, more perfectionistic. I read into perfectionism when I was writing my book and it definitely affects women more than men. And perfectionism, I think, is just caused by fear. Like, fear of, like, repercussions of upholding your own standards. Mm -hmm. And it's just really crippling. It cripples you starting. It cripples you getting feedback. It, It just makes you just more stressed. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. I think it's so interesting then that you talked about boys being more resilient to failing because it immediately made me think of boys when they're younger being really messy and kind of running around and you know rocking their trousers and it and that being okay and they have permission to do that and that's fine and I think that must translate to when you're older and being more resilient to like things being messy and things being kind of out of control because you have that practice when you're younger yeah and you don't get scolded for it so it's like accepted as part of life yeah or, or they fall, you know, down a tree or something, mm. which would be fearful, but they have less fear yes. for it because they know it's okay. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if in films you're watching other boys do that, then you're more likely to do that. Whereas like, you know, even you can still see like girls when they're given dolls and, you know, the kind of games that you're playing, like all of it, I think still socializes how you end up when you're older thinking about failure. Yeah. And thinking about things that are perfect, it's, it's often the case that with the dolls and all those toys, it's about them being perfect and about looking after them and mm. everything being sort of right. But with boys, it's about I don't know, doing sport mm. or something or, or running and getting messy. And it's, That's a good it's actually point. so interesting thinking about how those two different paths like paved and then how we deal with perfectionism and failure. Damn. <laughs> Damn, yeah. <laughs> I just dropped my pen. I'm just going to pick it Drop up. Drop the I, mic. Like, too excited and I dropped it on the floor. <laughs> there we go. Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, yes. So what can we do to, as women, to reject that kind of idea and become okay with failing and being messy? What are your tips? Oof. This is something I've been actively working on for the last at least year or so, because I am someone who's been so perfectionistic my whole life. Um, I think mm-hmm. realizing for me that it stemmed from a fear of failure was the first step because it, it means I have to reframe how I view failure. So like thinking, okay, failure is actually very productive because every time you fail, it means that you have you know, good feedback to then improve more directly. Whereas if you're always trying to make it perfect, then you're less likely to try or make anything that's just good because you're just scared of doing it wrong. Um, and I think one way to like actively, like tangibly do this is to get feedback more often. Cause it's like, it's scary because you don't wanna get feedback cause you want it to be perfect. But the whole idea of feedback is being told the parts of it aren't perfect. So then the more you do that, the more resilient you become to like tiny failures in whatever your work is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that. So getting feedback from people. And I suppose that wouldn't even have to be academic necessarily. Yeah. It could be feedback in like all, all parts of your life. Yeah. Sport. Mm -hmm. Lots of different things and growing very comfortable with the feeling of it not being perfect and it being wrong. Yeah. But I'm still learning. So come back to me in like 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're all learning. And I just feel like, I mean, I hear that women of the age of 60 are the most confident or something like that. Okay, well, come back to me in like 40 years. I'll come back to you. Yeah, Yeah, so that's failure. What about the confidence sides of things? Because a lot of people listening won't be really extroverted. They'll be more... Mm introverted ambiverts 
And I'd love to hear your tips, actually, as someone who's a bit more extroverted, what you think is the best thing to do to deal with confidence at uni and and just um, grow, I suppose, as well Mm. and be out of your comfort zone. Oh, such a good question. Um, I think one of the best things you can do is get to know yourself through things like journaling and noticing your intuition, like noticing your train of thoughts, writing down like how you feel in certain circumstances, what scares you day to day and like sort of getting into the habit of just noticing how you, how you are. And I think even tests like MBTI and all these types are quite useful just because they all invite introspection. And I don't think it's about, you know, being introverted or being extroverted and one of them being better. I think it's just understanding how you are and then honing that as your strength. So, you know, if you're introverted, that's amazing. You know, you're probably more introspective than other people. You're a great listener and understanding that about yourself can help you feel more confident in making friends because you understand your strengths. Um, Yeah, it's just learning about yourself. I really like that. I like what you said about learning who you are and then using it as a strength because it's yeah it's saying you speak so well I mean I can't put it better than you did but um, you know thinking about the parts of you because I think yeah with, with being introverted I mean I'd say I'm more introverted but you can use things like that to think well what am I good at what does that make me good at or maybe I'm better at I mean you are an incredible listener yeah you're very understanding you can see that Excellent. So I'd also love to talk about the last thing at uni, self-care without feeling guilty about it. Because when I'm doing work and I've got things to do, I find it so hard to switch off Mm. and actually think, you know, I'm allowed to watch this episode or I'm allowed to do this without thinking of all these things in my head of what I need to do. This is such a good one. And I can really relate to the guilt around Mm -hmm. self-care. Um, Okay, I think for me, what really helped is, again, reshaping how I view productivity. Because the whole idea of, like, you know, feeling guilty is because you feel like you're not spending your time well. And that's what productivity is, spending time well. Um, But then if you think about the fact that you need to rest in order to perform better then there's no better time spent than resting because you're almost investing this time in future you doing a better job. It's like, you know, tomorrow you've got a lecture, but if you if you just spend the whole night studying harder, you're not going to be, you know, as focused in this lecture as if you took the time now, you rested, you did some meditation, you fully switched off so that when you switch on, it's like fresh, you've got a fresh mind. Um, yeah and you know we can always push we can always hustle that's kind of the narrative that celebrated mm. it's hustle culture um but i think self-care and self-love is like the real power because that's how you do better in the future self-care and self-love is the real power that's very very true it's <laughs> really good advice and i i honestly think that when i'm doing my exams it's when i look after myself best Mm. like I noticed that when I'm doing exams I'm eating really well I'm going to bed super early I'm getting up I'm doing meditation like everything's just I actually think it's my body is probably like doing its peak when I'm at exams and then after it it's like a warrior you know you've got to look after yourself for battle yeah yeah (laughs) I think that's really true actually yeah you're like it's almost like an olympic sport or something yes yeah you know you're like thinking about what to eat and what vitamins to take and (laughs) stuff like yeah no I think I really agree with that about 
loving yourself being the most important thing to be productive. And I think, you know, when you're, when you're pushing your body, you know, when it's making you overly tired and it's, it's not actually being productive. For sure. Yeah. And then I think that comes back to like what we were saying earlier with journaling and learning about yourself and introspection, because if you have like turned off your ability to notice your intuition, to, to say like, oh, I, you know, I'm really tired right now. I should take a break. If you've learned to switch that off, then that's when you fall into really unhealthy habits and, and get into burnout. But the more you take the time to do mindful activities, you'll notice that and then you'll take the time for yourself. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Her Ambition with Josie's Acquire Ashuka. I would really appreciate if you could rate, review and subscribe so that more young women can find out about us. Find all our episode and social media details in the show notes below.